From our studios in North Florida, it's in black and white. And now your host, the baby-faced assassin of freedom, Jerry Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and patriots of all ages, welcome again to In Black and Right, here on another WTF Friday. Yes, folks, we've come to, well, almost, almost, because we're still uh, in our special Monday through Saturday uh, editions of the program leading up to Election Day, which, by the way, as a kindly and friendly reminder to everybody, we are 25 days, 25 days until we start phase one of getting this country back on track. And yes, November 8th is just the beginning, as I have said many times recently. And yes, it is the most consequential midterm election of my lifetime and for a lot of other people's lifetimes. Now, of course, I know there are much better known uh, commentators who have said pretty much the same thing. But really, I, in my 58 years on this planet, I have never seen this, the country so close, right on the precipice of some seriously weird, wacky stuff. It, it is. It, it's totally amazing to me. And before we get into today's round of fun, I am Jerry Brooks, of course, your baby-faced assassin of freedom. I'm also your tour guide through the wackadoodle world of Joe Biden and the American left. Now, I'll tell you, folks, as I've seen some of the news recently, I am very, very, very optimistic in certain ways, but... I, my, my optimism is a cautious optimism because, remember, these are people who still, I guarantee pretty much, they will cheat. The cheat is still on. It's still on. Uh, places like Pennsylvania. But, now, this story from Politico, and now I normally don't read Politico. I normally don't, but this story absolutely fascinated me. And the headline is simple. The Dems, the Dem seats where the D triple C isn't spending. Simple title. This is talking about how the Democrat National Committee, the uh, Democrat uh, Committee uh, for House candidates are in a big time retreat. Big time retreat. They have left a lot of their candidates and even some of their incumbents, they left them hanging out to dry. They are taking money from key districts. I mean, they're taking money out of key states like Arizona and Pennsylvania. So there's some House seats, some Democrats with in-house seats who are either incumbents running for re-election or candidates trying to knock off a Republican that all of a sudden are left 
like a fish out of water. And the water they need is called campaign cash. Now, what's really uh, fascinating to me, just reading this story, and there's just a couple, uh, couple of paragraphs in this political story. Some Democrats are frustrated that while the Republicans' biggest House super PAC flood midterms races with investment, uh, a.k.a. money, Democrats aren't putting up much of a fight, funding-wise, in what they see as tough but winnable races. Now, this just blows my mind. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, I'm reading polls a lot. I'm reading surveys a lot. And a lot of them that I have seen, if you're talking generic ballot, would you vote for the Democrat or the Republican? Republicans are ahead in numerous polls, not just the usual conservative suspects like Trafalgar and, and others, Quinnipiac, but even outlier polls in mainstream media polls. This isn't good. This is not good at all. And when you only have a five-seat majority to try to defend, uh, yeah, you're going to need all the help you can get. But the thing with the Democrats is they fired their ammo too early. They did. They took, they took August, uh, even part of July, after the uh, Supreme Court ruled in the Dobbs case and sent abortion back to the states. And they threw money at attack ads, attack ads, and more attack ads going after Republicans and specific candidates. The problem is, uh, we still have an economy that sucks. We still have a stock market that's way too volatile. Even the bond market, which used to be considered by many in the financial community as sort of a, a sort of a stable kind of a thing, maybe a bit of an insurance policy, even that sucks. And even today, just this week, up and down, up and down with the markets. I mean, it's like a roller coaster, and I'm not a big fan of roller coasters, but still. Uh, Democrats are taking money from these candidates and the incumbents, you know, not just Arizona, but they're doing it in Wisconsin, Texas, and Michigan. And I've got a couple of Michigan-related stories coming up. But yeah, now the poor guy who runs the DCCC, uh, Congressman Sean Patrick Maloney of New York, is having to make a lot of very, very hard decisions as to who gets money where and how much, if they even have it. So, yeah, 25 days before the biggest midterm uh, that I've seen in decades, and all of a sudden, you're running out of cash, and you're leaving candidates hanging out to dry? Man, I thought the Republicans were bad at it, but boy, I rarely thought I would see this coming from Democrats. I mean, you have key races in certain parts of the country, uh, especially, you know, you're talking governorships, uh, Senate races. Now, in Arizona, great example. 
Blake Masters is it's a winnable race. But unfortunately, Mitch McConnell and the establishment Republicans took away a bunch of his money, which is really indicative of some really messed up stuff. But fortunately, Blake Masters has other friends. I mean, I've seen reports that the Heritage Foundation uh, and their political action committee has sent Blake Masters some, oh, I think starting out with $4 million and more coming to help him win his race to take a Democrat Senate seat? It's doable, folks. Mark Kelly is not doing that great of a job. He has been caught in lie after lie after lie, and all these PACs that are running these ads in Arizona are pounding him. It's like the London Blitz in World War II. Mark Kelly says that he stands up to Biden. Right. His voting record says otherwise. 94% of the time, Kelly is voting with Biden, just being a good little puppy, rolling over, getting his belly rubbed. While the border of Arizona is absolutely a mess, Hispanics are pretty much telling Democrats to go pound sand, and that's not just in Arizona. We still have Nevada to deal with, and Texas. So yeah, this story by, uh, by Politico is just, well, well, well. This is going to be really interesting to see what happens. And the polls, momentum is going for the red tsunami. It's not going to be some red puddle. I mean, this is the same type of psychops uh, that the mainstream media does when, you're, when Democrats can see the handwriting on the wall just as well as the Republicans. And then, of course, they're like, oh, they have to just find ways to suppress the vote, suppression polls, uh, trying to get people to feel defeated or a little too comfortable and say, oh, I don't really have to vote. Do not fall for any of that. Please, if you love the country, don't buy this crap. Just do not buy it. Get out and vote. Now, I know amongst conservative uh, thought leaders and people who are influential, the question becomes, do you vote early or do you vote day of? That one, I've heard two very good arguments either way. But this is one of those things where I don't know. I'm not subscribing to either school of thought. All I know is I'm going to be voting. And that's the important part. Now, I can understand the argument for the um, vote day of crowd. Uh, I really can. Because in certain places, the Democrats at some point will know, oh, okay, we have to get, we have to create this many ballots in order to steal a particular election. Now, if you live in a state that actually has done any type of election integrity reform, great. Folks, you got to be out there, especially a state like Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is a real uh, sort of head-scratcher for me. It, it makes me concerned because 
Pennsylvania has never really dealt with the question of mail-in ballots. And come election night, they're not going to have any results, which means we're going to go through 2020 possibly all over again. It's like, how many days are you going to count votes? How many people... Or how many of these mail-in ballots are going to come in out of the blue or mysteriously appear? It's like, no. No, no, no. Now, I myself personally, and, I, and I'm only speaking for myself, I go day of. I, I do. It's one of those things. It's like a tradition for me. I, I never really liked going through this whole vote-by-mail crap. I mean, I always liked to go to my polling place and vote day of. And, you know, hey, we're done. I've done my duty, and now we wait for the results. But now, the people who are the vote early crowd, that, that school of thought, you know, they want to make sure that you go, or if you go early, now, in the state of Florida, our early voting doesn't begin until October 24th to November the 5th. But if you do go early in your state, make sure you go and vote in person. Get, make sure you're handing your ballot to an actual person. And, okay, you banked your vote. Now, that's why I just figured this is the reason why, you know, you vote when you can, you vote the way you do, you have the freedom to do so. But I will tell you that if you're one of those who think that the Democrats are the greatest thing since sliced bread, and what they're doing to the economy, the American working class, what they're doing to minorities, they don't give a rip about minorities. They don't. Because if you believe they do, then explain to me why minorities, blacks and Hispanics, when it comes to inflation, when it comes to the job market, why do they get hit worse than everybody else? And I will also throw in there uh, people on fixed incomes, many seniors. <laughs> inflation doesn't discriminate people. And if you vote for the people who continue these goofy policies and have put and will put us in an even worse situation than we're already in now, you're free to do so, but you're going to be slitting your throats. You're going to be probably turning your kids into wards of the state or slaves to the state. That's your choice and that is your right. But don't be surprised. If your kids hate you for it and other people hate you for it because they've had to suffer this nonsense just as much as anybody else, if not more so. You know, and of course, that includes uh, depressed wages because you have this flood of illegal immigrants who are low-skilled and you can pay them less. I mean, this I remember a story from years ago. Not that many years ago, but when a bunch of folks from India got who legally immigrated and they got these uh, uh, visas, I think they're called H1, H1B B, uh, B visas, there were people at Disneyland in California who were told 
They had to train their replacements because they were cheaper. And if you had a problem with it, you would be fired with no severance package. That is sick, folks. Plain, straight up sick. And just plain evil and manipulative. All because an American company like Disney, which got worse after that instead of better, yeah, it was hard. It was disgusting. It was thoroughly disgusting about what happened there. And now they want to go and go become groomers. Oh boy, isn't that just a hoot? But Disney will continue to shoot itself in the foot. But now that we're talking about races, now Michigan is really interesting right now. Uh, just the other night was the first, and, and after what Tudor Dixon did to Gretchen Whitmer, it could be the last, debate between the two candidates for the governor of Michigan. Now, Tudor Dixon did pretty dang well. She really did. Uh, she was wiping the floor uh, with Whitmer. Now, we've had some great debates going on. Uh, where the Republicans are taking the Democrats to task, calling them out on stuff they've done and said. I mean, we had the recent debate with uh, earlier this week with J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan in Ohio. J.D. Vance just clobbered him. Just clobbered Tim Ryan and made him look like an absolute doofus. We also had the Senate debate in Arizona, Blake Masters and Mark Kelly. And Blake Masters made Mark Kelly look like a doofus. And apparently, we're going three for three here. Tudor Dixon did the same thing to Gretchen Whitmer, especially when it came to public safety and law enforcement. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Tudor, Tudor Dixon stated during the debate, quote, we know the governor came out and said she supports the spirit of defund the police. And we know that while we were all locked down, she went out and marched with folks who held up signs that stated defund the police, end quote. And apparently there are videos doing so. Now, Tudor Dixon continued on. I'm just going to read a little bit of this. Uh and this is from Tudor Dixon. I'm actually endorsed by the largest police union in the state of Michigan, the Police Officers Association of Michigan, and more than two dozen sheriffs, including Democrats, because they are so upset about the fact that the governor doesn't support them. My plan will put a billion new dollars into policing to make sure they know they're supported, but also to recruit and retain new police officers. It's so challenging uh, to bring police officers to a state where their chief executive officer has supported defund the police. We're going to make sure that not only are they supported, they have the tools they need, and the they have the technology they need, and they have the mental help that, help that they need. Amen, amen, and amen to Order Dixon. This is one, and, and I'm glad that candidate Dixon mentioned mental health. 
That is so important right now because so many police departments, especially in blue cities and blue states, are just absolutely, these officers, men and women, black and white and Hispanic, they are dealing with so much stress. They're dealing with PTSD, substance abuse, anxiety like crazy, suicidal ideations and tendencies. This is not what law enforcement is supposed to be, folks. It's not what it's supposed to be. For all of my friends, I, I know a young man who is, in, is a pretty new cop. He's been, in the, he's been on the force for about a little over a year. And I worry about him. I, I really, he's, he's a young man. He's a good, solid Christian man. I love him dearly. But I do have concerns that to make sure that he, if he has those points where he needs help and that he would reach out for it and make sure that there are resources available to all police across the entire country. So, yeah, I love that. I, I love that she did mention mental health. And this, oh my friends, Michigan is going to be really interesting. Because here, <laughs> ah, here's another story right out of Michigan. Now, there is the old saying that politics makes strange bedfellows. Okay, yeah, and that is true. Because in Dearborn, Michigan, Christians... And Muslim parents have come together to go after the Dearborn, Michigan school board. Ha! I, I, I saw this and I thought, oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. This is crazy. Absolutely crazy. But yes, during a recent meeting of the Dearborn, Michigan school board, there were Muslims, a lot of them, who expressed their total disgust about this LGBT stuff in libraries and kids going to these schools where they allow this crap. Oh, man, oh, man. This is crazy. And not just the Muslims, but Christians, too. They've actually come together. Muslim parents, Christian parents, to go after the school board and say, enough is enough. And they want them voted out. And all, and, and the elitist on that school board, and, I just, and there was, a, I think, at least one Karen type there who just absolutely just went bonkers. And I bet she's just going to just whine, moan, uh, and complain to the FBI. It's like, oh, see these people? It's like, here's the difference is, it's not just Christian or, I mean, it doesn't matter if, what religion they are. It doesn't matter where they stand on the political spectrum. These are parents. They want to be heard. And if the school boards don't like it, get ready to either resign or get your sorry elitist butts kicked out. Now, you want to talk about wild? I love it. 
because this is a microcosm of what happened in Virginia. Loudoun County, which, by the way, to this day is still being probed for covering up not one, but two sexual assaults. And the poor dad who got arrested when he called the lying sacks of crap in that school board out, and he's put one put out in handcuffs, and the George Soros funded and pretty much owns her, uh, the Commonwealth attorney, uh, no, she's not involved in this case. She's not involved at all. This is strictly the Attorney General, Jason Meares of Virginia. This is his office. The Commonwealth Attorney has no say. And, oh, this is going to be fun. So, yes, my friends, things, thing, all things are possible. And miracles still do happen. And to have Christians and Christian parents, Muslim parents, coming together to basically kick their school board out on their keisters, I love it. I absolutely love it because are they going to call the Muslim parents domestic terrorists by the FBI using the Patriot Act? But, well, hey, given the FBI, oh my gosh, this is just messed up. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if they tried to hide it under the radar. But right now, again, one more example of why the American KGB, otherwise known as the FBI, has got problems. The Danchenko case is finishing up its first week. And the revelations that we've had under oath by John Durham, because he is the lead prosecutor on this, he's putting the FBI on trial, not just some of its agents. We have already heard in sworn testimony that Igor Dan the FBI was willing to pay Christopher Steele $1 million, a cool million, if he could verify and corroborate his dossier. The FBI did this. It's almost like, hey, you can do this. Hey, we'll give you a million bucks. It's like a bounty of some type. Really weird. But it didn't happen. The payment didn't happen because Christopher Steele's bogus dossier was unverified, uncorroborated, and Steele himself, when he was brought before a board of inquiry in London, he couldn't even uh, stand up for his own dossier. But... What did the Americans do? They, the FBI ran with it in spite of this. In spite of being not just unverified, but unverifiable. But they still did it anyway. The super patriot James Comey, what a sanctimonious ass. This piece of crap signed off on the, signed off on the FISA warrant at least three times that is known. He might have done it for all four. Because you had the initial warrant and the three subsequent renewals. And on the top of these warrants, when they want to talk about getting a warrant from the FISA court, it's right there. Verified. 
and they damn well knew it wasn't. But yet, they still did it anyway. They lied to a federal judge. And frankly, why these uh, FISA judges aren't coming out and just all coming out all kinds of pissed off is a head-scratcher to me. It's a major head-scratcher. I don't know what is wrong with these folks, but whatever it is, we know what's going on. We know Denchenko, Igor Denchenko, was the subsource, the Russian subsource, but the FBI paid Denchenko some $220,000 over a three-year period for his work. Now, why are they giving a guy who admitted that the Steele dossier, him, Denchenko himself said the dossier was crap, but they still paid him anyway. Oh, the trials are one thing, but the hearings on Capitol Hill in January and February are going to be ugh, the stuff, I'm hoping it will be the stuff of legend, and there will be a whole lot of shaking going on. And I really hope that's the case. But folks, I don't know. I mean, 25 days left. 25 days. We cannot fail. We must not fail. Failure is not an option. It's just not an option right now. Given what's at stake and what the future is out there waiting for young people, the next generation coming up, we we don't have time for we don't have time to play. These people are vicious, they are mean, they are cutthroat, and they will do whatever they have to to hold on to power. Keep that in mind. It is not the time to be all meek and mild and nice. No. This is the time to step up and if somebody want, if some crazy leftist wants to get up in your grill, shove their shove their face in it. Do not roll over and play dead for these people and do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm certainly not. So yes, my friends, failure is not an option. Do your part, make sure you vote, and if you can do more, fantastic. Be a poll worker, poll watcher, be in the counting rooms. Watch these people like a hawk. Get informed, get trained, and get out there and save the country. Because if we don't get the job done on November 8th, it's not going to, January is not going to mean anything. And I do mean anything. So with that in mind, folks, as I finish out for today's episode, <coughs> excuse me, you can uh, pick up our audio version of the podcast on all podcast platforms. We are big and small and in between. We also, you can check out our social media connections on inblackandright.net in our media connection section. We're on Truth Social, we're on Getter, we're on Rumble, and several other uh, free speech platforms. So I'm not worrying about things like shadow banning and and all of that. 
So with that in mind, now tomorrow will be a, another Saturday special of the show. Looking forward to doing that. So keep an eye and an ear out uh, for that. And next week we're going to have, I'm looking to have some great interviews scheduled. And I'm hoping to start next uh, on next Monday with another installment of our All Politics is Local series. So until then, take care. Have a fantastic weekend. Uh, go and enjoy some football and whatever else. And remember, my friends, Patriots still come in all colors.